Are we connected? We are, I do believe. Cool. All right, we got one more episode of In the Saddle Shop. We got Colin Wood on the phone right now. Um, he's going to talk a little bit. We had a we had a brilliant idea here earlier. I was talking to Colin about some cowboy poetry things, and we uh, got talking about a clinic, and we both kind of had the same thing in mind. Uh, go ahead and just kind of give your ideas on what you was wanting to do with the clinic. Do you want me to talk about stuff? That's kind of brave <laughs> on your part. Well, yeah. <laughs> Well, it, it seemed to me for a while that there's a desire for people to learn a little a little more of the basic end of, of stuff that we kind of tend to take for granted and conversation kind of go a lot of directions. But the simple things like we were talking earlier about branding pen etiquette and, you know, getting a cult ready, what do you think is ready and and what can you show somebody that you can take a colt out of the round pen and go do with them and, and how to help somebody on a colt, how to help somebody set up in a Brandon pen for a specific shot or a bunch of cattle that are working a certain way, laying a cow down out in the pasture. You know, there's a pile of that stuff that we either learned the hard way, usually pretty dramatically, or we were taught early enough that we kind of take it for granted and there's a desire for people to learn it. And kind of an amazing number of people that haven't ever had it explained to them. Why? Why does this need to be done this way? Why do we play by these rules? And I think it, I think it's a necessary thing. I, I'm, an, I'm on the same page. I've been thinking about doing something like this for a while now. And, and the thing that always stops me is, you know, I'm not the hand guy that's ever walked the earth by a damn shot. Um, and I think that, you know, if I – I'm out there thinking that I'm going to do classes or, or a clinic, something like that. I, I need to be that way. But in all honesty, uh, a lot of the guys that are doing these clinics, they are way above what I am. And the people that are wanting to go to these clinics are way below what I am. And for me to be able to, or us to be able to get them to a point to where they understand the basics and just how and why. And then if they want to go to, you know, a big loop clinic or something like that, they already have the, the, the practical aspect of it. You know, if somebody calls them and, Hey, I got a cow out. I need you to come rope it, tie it down. We'll drag it in the trailer. You know, that's something that you or I could teach. And it's, it's common knowledge to us. And we've done it, you know, a hundred different ways, but the guy that don't have a clue you know he, he's just gonna get in a wreck and that's a lot of i had the same feeling for a long time about a lot of different subjects whether it was poetry and music or horsemanship or stockmanship i had that same exact feeling of well who the heck am i and what right do i have to tell anybody else heck i don't know nothing but the reality of it is that i've kind of come to anyway i thought there isn't any of them that's God, whether it's Buck Brandeman or, or Martin Black or Andy Raymond. There isn't any of them that's God. God is God. The rest of us are all men. We're all, yeah. we're all, <laughs> we're all on the same playing field. And so these clinic deals are less about, to me anyway, would be less about this is what's right 
and more about this is what's worked for me. And when you have it, when you have it set up kind of that way, then it's more of a conversation. You're, yeah. you're talking to your audience. You're talking with your audience. And, well, what if this or this? Well, I don't know. This cow's not doing it at this exact moment. But if it took place, this might be what I'd talk about it. So you can use a clinic situation of, of doing a demonstration. Well, you can be doing a demonstration about how to get a colt to step their hindquarter over and end up in a conversation about setting a shot up in a branding pen. Well, yeah, if we're having the conversation about a branding pen, maybe we start a conversation about moving a horse through the progression of the California style of bridle horsemanship. You never yeah. know where the conversation is going to go. And, and another piece of it to me that a lot is the same thing you're saying. So when you have somebody, you know, say you're doing a colt starting clinic and you're helping somebody get their colt ready to step up on them the first time. The guy behind you sitting in a lawn chair drinking a Coors Light, he might be hearing something that in his mind, he's trying to figure out how to talk to his teenage daughter about something. Now, why them two things would be in the same ballpark, I have no idea. But maybe what you're talking to this person about this thing for helps them sort out some other idea in your head. And you never know what a person's going to take away from it. You especially never know if you don't give give people an opportunity to hear what you've got to say. Yeah. No, I totally agree with that. And and the more, you know, I'm doing these chap uh, classes and saddle classes and, and carving, and, and I know I'm, I'm not a master saddle maker by any means, but the one thing that I got that they don't is I'm willing to teach these people no, and it's not going to get them to a master class, but it's going to bring them up to speed to what I know, and that's a hell of a lot better than they're, they're finding on YouTube or something like that. And just being able to talk to me about, well, why do you do this or why do you do that? So, well, I screwed up a lot of leather getting that way. And it's the same way when you start talking about roping and tying one down or whatever, as I guarantee you, if I, I have had a wreck doing it the other way and it didn't work worth a crap this is like i almost died doing it the way you're talking this is how i do it now because of that well and there's a, a good example just a couple days ago we went and i told you about going and getting that cow and the gal that had that cow well, I guess for the podcast sake, explain a little bit more. We had a cow we had to catch and, and the pairs had been taken somewhere else and she got missed. Well, she didn't want to trail, didn't want to follow, didn't want to drive up to a set of corrals. So in the midst of her throwing a fit, trying to leave the country, we, we went to Roper and gal threw a loop at her head, missed her head and went, oh, I missed the cow. Well, when the cow come up, she stepped a hind foot in the loop, jerked it down tight with another hind foot. And so the cow's going south, the horse is going north, and the gal <laughs> sitting on the horse is trying to dally. And I had to sit back and go, thank God you didn't get your wraps because it probably would have jerked that horse down. Yeah. So taking that in that moment, well, number one, that's a teachable moment where that gal learned something hands-on, in the field, in the moment. I needed to turn and follow that cow no matter what. Right. How many people don't know that? And this is a gal that's ranch raised, been around it, 
wasn't taught a terrible lot about roping and especially not roping big stock out in the open. She's learned most of she knows. I mean, if you could take that and boil that down, that's a conversation. You can save people thumbs and index fingers. You can save horses being jerked down, saddles being jerked off of horses, trees being broken, ropes being broken, cattle being crippled. By simply explaining that the rule is when you follow it. Yeah. How many people can get on YouTube and find that? When the rope leaves your hand, you follow it. Well, not only that, it's, it's, you know, if I go out and I rope a critter and I'm trying to, you know, get into the crowds or closer to the trailer or whatever, I might rope it and come up tight, but I might not take a dally for half a mile if that cow's going the right direction. Absolutely. Keeping Absolutely. that horse backed up and going going where you want that horse to go. And there's it, it's so common that a guy throws his rope or gal, whatever, they, they throw the rope and, and jerk their slack and their horse is going left. And like that's great in arena settings, but in real life practical ranch roping or, or doing any of this stuff. I might not want to take my dallies. Maybe there's a canyon coming up right there where, you know, you don't want to take your dallies and, and just see what happens. Like follow that thing down the canyon, get into the bottom and then dally up. It, it just like that, that it's, it's common sense to me, but if you've never been in that situation and, and your horse is ducking off and you're trying to stack dallies and you're trying to keep your fingers out of there or whatever, you tense up and your horse tents up and everything just goes a thousand miles an hour. Well, just relax a little bit and, and hold your slack and, and follow your critter down and everything is slow motion almost. I heard a good line one time listening to a, listening to a pilot talk about flying the SR-71 Blackbird. That was the first uh, Mach 2 spy plane the U.S. military had. We used it in, in Vietnam and Korea and even up into the uh, – the Gulf War in Desert Storm. And this was the first airplane we had that would break Mach 2 and would fly at 80,000 feet of elevation. Okay, well, why does this matter to Cowboy? And pilot said in this interview, he said, the only reason you can keep up with that plane is you're tied to it. <laughs> okay. How do you control something flying 2,000 an hour, 80,000 feet in the air? You go with it. Yeah, there ain't nobody on the ground can keep track of what you're doing fast enough to fly it unless you're sitting in the cockpit controlling the motion. And that was the big thing that I had to overcome in my world was learning that not everything had to happen. Bam, 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 bam. You know, the, the beauty of right. roping on a slick horn like you and I do and carrying a long rope, guys pick, oh, you need to ride faster horses. You put rubber on your horn, you wouldn't have to. You're missing the whole point. The whole point, yeah. it's, it's like fly fishing versus deep sea fishing. You can go get on a boat, strap yourself to a rod with a 50-pound line, put a harness on, strap yourself into a chair, hook into a 500-pound fish, and crank. You're, you're winching that fish back to the boat. Or you can take a fly rod with two-pound leader, and you can bring a five-pound record book fish of a lifetime trout in, you play with him. 
You wear him out. You wear him down. You choose where his head's going. You choose how the tension's going. And that's what roping on a slick horn is. And I've gotten away with stuff on really green horses I shouldn't have because I could let some rope run. I could change where their feet were at. I could change where their head was at. I could kind of... And get tired with it. Luck the couch is tired. But if you haven't been taught that, I would think of that naturally. Yeah. That's where I think these a lot of people is, and I'm not trying to be arrogant by any stretch of the imagination. Every ounce of, of what I think I might know about something comes, like you said, from doing it. Yep. Show somebody there is another way to do this, and here's how it works. Not just tell them there's there's a better way, a different way, but show them how that way is supposed to work. Probably save somebody a whole bunch of headache, and, and heck, maybe somebody can get the job or get a better job because all of a sudden this thing makes more sense to them. So, it, as far as I'm concerned, it has very little to do with the money making for me, and has everything to do with trying to trying to get another generation of people to understand that that this is, and, and I don't care if you are roping on a rubber horn with a 35-foot rope. There's things you can do that you should do that'll make life better for you, better for your horse, and better for the cattle. Oh, exactly. Yep. You know, and I, and I do TikToks and stuff, and, and I, I see it's a Don't Be a Gunsel, another episode of Don't Be a Gunsel, and it's not making fun of anybody it's just i'm trying to i'm trying to explain the stuff that you know if they didn't have a dad or or somebody around to tell them the right way to do stuff and they're trying to figure this out on their own and nobody's going to tell them the right because they're all making fun of them right you know it's simple things that you know don't talk to another guy's dog it's not your dog it's not your damn business just sample things that everybody takes for granted but in reality the people that are wanting to get into it and and just they crave it but they don't have an idea on how to do it and they're just little things like that that it it makes all the difference in the world on whether you get hired on or whether they kick you to the curb honestly If, if if you walk up and and first day on the job and you're talking to other people's dogs or or yelling at somebody's dog or something like that you're gone that day i mean that's it mm-hmm. and it's I something won't... so simple as just don't talk to other people's dogs if it's not your dog don't worry about it or don't yeah. ride in front of somebody or yep. exactly. when you're when you're stepping on in the morning leaving leaving the camp or leaving the trailer or leaving the house leaving the barn whatever it is you don't ride ahead of the boss unless he tells you to. If he yeah. sends the direction, then you go. But you don't ride ahead of the boss, whether that's the boss, the cow boss, the cow boss's wife, the jigger boss. I don't care. You don't ride ahead of him. You're out in the morning. You better not get in front of him unless you're getting in front of him to get the gate for him. Yep. That's, again, like you say, it's, there's a thousand little things that we kind of grew up. Somebody told us. Nobody yeah. told them. And, you know, there's a fair chunk of the country that isn't ever going to make their living horseback. But right. that's 12 times a year they get on a horse. They'd like to be better at it. And for me personally, those are, those are the, some of the people that I think need a lot of the help is 
make that 10 or 12 more enjoyable for you and everybody else around you. You well, know, I, you know, all the, you know, the, these people that come out and they get the, they get invited for one brand in a year. And my in-laws were like that is one brand in a year and they get to come out and, and they pull the most gunsel bullshit and, and nobody's going to invite them to another branding. And there's just simple little things that like don't tell other people what to do. Don't act like, you know what you're doing. Just sit in the back and just do what you're told to do. Step off your horse and, and throw panels. You know, it, it just, there's a thousand little things like that, that if you do those, you know, shoot, instead of going to one brand in a year, you might be going to five or 10, you know, right. even if you're not good help, you're good to have around because, you know, maybe you're throwing panels or maybe you're wrestling or maybe you tell good stories or whatever the case may be. Maybe you're guarding a beer cooler really well, who knows, but it's just a little <laughs> right. thing like that, that it's the difference between getting invited to one brand in a year because you have to get invited and nobody will actually want you there and invited to several brands because they're like, wow, you know, that, that's an all right guy or gal or whatever. And it's like, we could use you, you know, if you want to wrestle calves and you kind of know what you're doing. Yeah, shoot. We could use another hand or two. You know, it, it, we just got back from helping some friends with those meetings in South Dakota brand. And, and that's, a, that's just a nearly rolling train wreck. But we have a lot of fun. And, and the purpose behind it is to get the kids involved, to get the kids on the ground in the branding pen. You know, there's only so many places around a tilt table. And you can't get help at a tilt table branding. You know as well as I do. And I don't care how much beer you buy. I don't care how good the food is. You can't hardly get help at a tilt table branding. Nope. And this deal, I kind of had to chuckle because the guy that owns the place and, and owns the cows, him and I have kind of had an understanding since the beginning that, you know, you're kind of, you're helping ramrod this deal. So if you see something, say something. Okay, fair enough. Well, this year he flat made an announcement. He turned around, pointed at me and my wife and said, them two are in charge. I own the cattle, but them two are in charge. And several of the crew had been there last year, but had never been before, or had never been to a heel and drag, wanted to try dragging calves for the first time. And he told them, you go talk to them too. Go ask them. They'll, they'll help you anywhere they can. And then my wife told several people, go talk to him, go ask him. He's not going to shove something down your throat, but right. if you want to learn, he'll talk to you. Yeah. Well, in a clinic environment, the way I look at it, cause I want to help people. I want to talk to people. If you pay the money to come to a clinic and you come sit down in the stands or you bring a horse or you come sit in the arena, whatever the case is, you want to learn. And I want to talk to you. Yeah. Yep. And the simple things like we've talked about here, you know, if you've got a pen of 25 calves and there's three ropers, there only needs to be one roper in a bunch at a time. How many yeah. people have been told that? How, what shots are you looking for? You know, and, and from the clinic environment, you can go back, you can go back to as slow as setting yourself up for the shot. Yeah. And, and you know, you can, you can do a clinic about roping off a horse for the first time. You can do a clinic about learning to dally. You can do clinic. You, know, you can break down these individual pieces and that's what draws me to it is I'm kind of a detail oriented individual. My mind moves pretty fast about all the time. And I do a lot of things automatically, but I, I can think through the steps. Well, maybe that'd help somebody. So yep. I, 
I'd, I'd love to do it. Uh, just just for the sake of getting together and having a conversation with people. Right. It's, it's just, there's so many, I mean, there's clinics around, but from what I've seen um, and hearing from different people from these clinics, it, it's just so far above their head. What they're needing is somebody to just get the practical aspects. Like, yeah, it's cool throwing Del Vino or Scoop Loop or whatever, but practically just go in there and throw an overhand and make that shot and be make a good shot and come in and make a nice heel shot. You don't have to do all this crazy stuff what they're trying to teach you. Yeah, we can definitely do another clinic on that stuff, but as far as the practical side of things, just throw them high percentage shots, get out, handle your calf, get them short, handle them right, and especially on a you know a head and heel deal where it's pretty tough to get invited to one of them anymore, if you go to one, you better know what the hell you're doing or you're never going to get invited back again because there's a hundred other people that are wanting to go to it. Right. Well, say, I mean, you can go to early days of the Vaqueros. And you can sit there and watch them guys throw a Riata 60 feet, you know, throw six coils with a hula hand and, and rope something going down the fence. You can watch them guys throw a three-coil Johnny Blocker and go, wow. And most people have the same the same thought. I'll never get there. Right. Yeah, you can. But where do you start? And most people have no idea where to start, what to work on, where to, you know, yep. you get on YouTube and, and yeah, there's people on there that are talking, but how many, how many people can you go talk face to face, an active environment, listen to the conversation, listen to, the, to, you know, I'd like to do, we talked about it. I'd like to do something with you to where, when we're doing these things, we're talking to each other. We're both talking to the audience. We're talking to each other and we're discussing what we're seeing. And maybe we're exposing some details of what we're seeing to people that have no idea what they're looking at. And then they yeah. can ask the question, we can break it down. Well, what is yeah. a good headshot? Well, where are you at? How fast are you going? How much room do you have to work with? You know. Are there calves can... on the ground or they're not calves on the ground? Do you need to catch it right now or can you screw around and throw a weird shot? You know, right. it, you, you need to have your high percentage shots first, get them down and then have them other ones in your toolbox where if there's calves on the ground, yeah, throw a Del Viento, throw something weird. If you there's, miss, there's... no big deal. There's nobody waiting on you. Um, but, if you go in there and there's no calves on the ground, you better throw a high percentage shot, get him necked, and get him out there. Right. And that's, you know, especially in a branding environment, a lot of people have no idea. You can go like the deal we were just at. Most of those people had no idea how to swing their rope correctly, much less yeah. how to control their loop. And they sure as heck didn't know how to set the cattle up to throw the loop. And once they got a hold of something, then they had no idea what to do with it. Yeah. So being able to slow that down of this is how the cattle are acting. This is the pen set up. So this is how we're going to go at it and why. And when we go at it, this is what we're trying to set up. You know, we've got a narrow gate. We've got to go out. of. So you don't want to catch something at this end because you run the risk of bouncing them off the post going out the gate. Well, maybe your gate's in the center and it's wide open. Okay. You want to bring that a certain way. 
and then watch your ground crew. Well, what am I watching for? I don't know. Let's talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like it could help just a pile of people, whether it's like you say, whether it's building shops or dragging calves or, you know, here's another one. I've worked around some guys that are pretty good hands as far as gathering, moving cattle, sorting, working the ground, branding calves. They're great. Until you got a doctor or cow out in the pasture and they get a head loop on a cow, they have no idea what to do with her. Yeah. Yep. How do you, how do you set that cow up out in the pasture? How do you set that cow up for somebody to come in and heal her or a cow in a pen? Well, and it, and it, like it's a totally different deal. If I'm on a colt, I'm going to set that cow up completely different if I'm on a broke horse. It's just Absolutely. little things like that that it's, it's common sense to you and me, but to the people that are wanting to get into this, they're never going to get hired on a job because they got a real job and they're actually making real money, but they want to go out and they want to do it and they want to be good at it. Well, where do you learn? I mean, yep. it, you don't, you don't hire on a job and it's like, well, I'm going to stay six months on here and learn how the cowboy when you got a real <laughs> job, you know? Right. Well, and not only that, most people take for granted, they go, I want to learn to rope. Okay, well, we, you know, we got a clinic coming up. Oh, yeah, when's that? Well, we're going to do it this weekend. Oh, what are we going to do the second day? Like, yeah. you know, when, we, yeah. when, when you start talking about the individual pieces of being a cowboy and being a horseman, you know, I, I've said for years, and, and I'll admit it's a little arrogant of me, but if I had a dream of what I wanted wrote on my gravestone, being a cowboy would be okay. I'd like somebody to say that he was a horseman. Well, yeah. What does that mean? Yep. And unless you're sitting, I, I truly believe that unless you're sitting face to face with people, having the conversation with them, when you can show them, when they can show you, especially with, like with Colt starting and horsemanship clinics where you have other people horseback, unless they can show you their problem, how do you effectively break it down and help them work through it? Right. And yep. yeah, you can go to a Buck Branneman clinic, you can go to a, a Martin Black or a Kurt Pate or a whatever, and yeah, they can sure enough get some stuff done. But when you're one hundred people in the arena, are they really talking to you? Or are they talking over what maybe you're thinking about? Well, and the thing that makes a, a really good horseman is just getting under that many horses and having that many different aspects because every horse just like a person, they might have some demons in the closet to come out when you're trying to do it. And how you work through that is going to determine what kind of horseman you are. You can get mad and try to throw them in the dirt. And I've got, which I mean, if you want to do that, that's great because I get a lot of really cheap horses for that. And like, <laughs> right. do that and make some really nice horses. But when you, when you start trying to overpower things and, and stuff like that, it, it you let your temperament get in front of you and that's a whole nother conversation, but, um, working through that stuff and, and setting your Colts up. That's a huge thing. Setting your cold up for success coming out of the Brandon pin, whether it's a head and heel or a heel and drag or going to the forks or whatever you're doing, setting that horse up for success. That's going to make your horse or break it, you know? Oh, absolutely. And, you know, we talk about these clinic things, and I, I feel like, and I heard Kurt Pate say this to another guy one time, you know, he does a lot more of the stockmanship, cattle handling, and whatnot. 
nowadays than he used to. And this guy asked me, so how come you don't do the cult starting anymore? And he goes, honestly, I create better conversation having a stockmanship clinic than I do having a cult starting clinic because people will ask me the questions about other things. Yeah. Well, in the clinic stuff that we're talking about doing, what I like on more is the individual specific aspects of in this moment, in this clinic, we're talking about setting up your, your cult to, to rope and drag their first calf. Yep. Okay. Well, at that point, we're taking into consideration that you already know how to rope and drag that calf, and you know your branding pen etiquette, and you know how to work with other people. You know how to set other people up. You know how to work with the ground crew. You know how you got to come to forks, or you got to come to wrestlers, or you got to come to, you know, you're coming to wrestlers, but somebody's sitting on the head, you're holding the heels. Yeah. Let's talk about things. Let's talk about those things first to make sure that when we get to this part, you understand what it is we're talking about. Otherwise, you you might go home and go, yeah, they seem like a couple of nice guys, but had not a clue what they're saying. Yeah. That's, that's where I want to fit in. I want to fit into the, when somebody goes home, you know, if we do one of these deals, I'd like people to go home and say, yep, I feel like I retained something because this, this, and this had never been explained to me before. Now I get it. Yeah. Have a reasoning behind why you do it. Yep. And you honestly, it's the first time somebody told me um, dragging calves out on a colt. Like, what? Why are you locking off on that colt? He's trying to figure out where the hell to go. What? And he's trying to drag the calf. Slide your slack until you get through the wrestlers, and then and then lock off again. Like, man, I started doing that. Shoot, them colts, they just pulled right through that. No big deal. But you absolutely. Things like that that make a huge difference that most people don't know. And for the people that do, that's great. I'm glad somebody taught you guys. But what I'm gearing toward is is the people that don't know that, and that's what I'm. Well, we are wanting to help and get better about that stuff. It's just like I said, it, it's for the people that didn't have a dad or didn't have a grandpa or or somebody that teach them how to do all this stuff, man, it's tough figuring out on your own. And Absolutely. most of the people that you're around, they're not going to say anything because it's very um, impolite to try to tell somebody what they're doing wrong or try to help them out unless they ask for questions. Right. If it ain't, well, that's one of the, one of the simple pieces of cowboy etiquette most people don't understand and ranch etiquette is if it ain't your place, you don't talk. Yep. And so if I'm at somebody else's place and I see you doing something, unless it's going to kill somebody, dramatically hurt your horse or cripple the cattle, I'm not likely to say something. No, no. And if I do, I'm liable to say it to the man that owns the cattle, not to the one that's committing the sin. So you're not being in the cowboy world once you're accepted by people. And I was fortunate. I grew up in a circle of people that they were all pretty willing to teach. They were all pretty willing to talk. I had a lot of good hands that took me under their wing over the years and explained things to me. And it, it was phenomenal. If you don't have that, you're not live. You're not liable to get that from somebody. And I'd like to offer that. I want to offer that. That's full, 
that explanation right there baffles yep. most people. Well, why? Because yep. it's not proper. It's not. It, and, and we're just trying to pay it forward. But And we were lucky enough to have people to teach us that. But like I said, it's, you know, I've been to 100 Brandons or, you know, whatever it might be that they might be screwing up all day long. And it's going to piss me off. But unless it really gets bad, I'm not going to say anything, you know. And then after it, the kid comes up and he's like, you know, what should I done here? What should I done? Hell yeah, I'll help you out. As much as you want to learn, I'll tell you everything that I know. Mm-hmm. But up until that point, you can't say anything. And I think that's what really hurts people um, that are not in it and they're never going to be in it. But if you're not asking questions and don't ask the questions through the loud mouth over there bragging how handy he is, Ask ask the guy over there in the corner that hasn't said two words all day because he actually knows. That, there's a fair chance of that, and that's one of the, one of the things my old man told me that has turned out to be really valuable. Was and and there were several of them that had similar thought processes. He didn't teach me to listen; he taught me to watch. Yep. And so that created its own struggles but created its own opportunity of I might not ride up and ask you what it is you're doing but I'm watching you I'm watching to see what you do now I'm watching to see what you do next I'm watching where your eyes are looking where your horse is looking what your hands are doing because I'm watching to try to figure out if I can help you you know whether it's I see you trying to set up a shot on a calf or I see you trying to sort a yearling out of a bunch or I see you trying to you got a cow that don't want to come out of the pairs and you need her out because we're going to process calves or whatever, you know? Yeah. But if you don't have somebody that'll explain what it is you're looking for, what it is you're looking at, what it is the other people are looking for and looking at, how would you ever come up with it on your own? Yeah. This lifestyle is to the outside eye. It's, it's all, well, if you believed Will Rogers, we all carry a guitar and wear a ten gallon hat just roses. The reality yeah. is we operate in one of the most complex in industries in the world. If you're on a cow camp someplace or you're on a ranch or you're working for an outfit and they tell you to go do this or go do that, you know, go fix the windmill. Well, you run out and do it because somebody showed you a couple of things and you go muddle your way through it. But realistically, you're doing the job of a pipe fitter, a metal worker, a grease monkey, and you're doing engineering work while you're at it because you're trying to figure out how to fix the windmill so you don't have to go climb that rickety sucker tomorrow. Or you go patch a piece of fence. Okay, well, why'd this piece of fence get torn out? Well, the creek come up four feet in the rain we got, and it wiped out this crossing. Okay, well, how can I put this back? Now you're doing architectural engineering. You're doing, you know, and, and you're playing a game of physics. And the average suit and tie that goes and sits in an office, they're tunnel vision. They look at this one piece of one thing. You're a cowboy on an outfit, especially an old-timey outfit, that you're riding ranch horses, and the jigger boss is, you know, the remuda boss is roping horses out, and the jigger boss, cow boss, whoever, is assigning your horse day to day, and you're going out to do a job, and then in the winter you go back to the camp, and you got got some cows and some country, and you got to take care of these things. You're doing the job 
of about 15 different people. So from an outsider's perspective of somebody that wants to learn to be a little handier in the Brandon pen or wants to learn to be a little handier in cows or, or helping somebody process calves or helping AI or whatever the case is, the people that are doing the work have 15 college degrees worth of education in what they do automatically. Figure out how to put that, pieces of that together for people to learn from. At minimum, it'd have to save some headaches and heartaches. And I, I firmly believe we could we could create an impact in the stockmanship world, in the horsemanship world, and and in people's just people's enjoyment of being around horses and cattle. But beyond that, too, help people understand more of what it is we do. Yeah. And if we could put all them things together, I, I feel like it'd be a, a, well, it'd be a blessing and a curse all in one, but I, I feel like it could be a blessing to the, to the people into the stock involved with it to just help people understand some of these basic things. I really do. Oh, I think so too. I know I got <coughs> kind of almost got into an argument with the kid. We was talking about being handy and, and you know, and, Kids learning to be in handy was being able to start a colt and ride it and go rope something and like you know it that that is handy but my version of handy is you're able to go start the colt and ride it and rope the cow and tie it down and go fix the baler and weld something and go fix fence and pull well and and you know there's construction there's a thousand things that a guy needs to do on a ranch. That's what's handy to me, mm -hmm. and I'll probably catch hell for it. But you know, it's great a guy that wants to sit horseback all the time. And I, I was the same way. I, that's what I wanted to do. But the older I got, and owning my own cows, and hiring people, and working for other people, and and whatnot, it's. When somebody says that they're pretty damn handy. It don't mean just so they're good with a horse. It means they they can weld and torch and pull a well and fence and anything you set that guy out to do he's going to be able to do it and do it well and i think that's truthfully more or less bygone are the days where a man can make a living horseback exclusively yeah. uh, you know there's there's still places out in nevada and that type of country that they're looking for um they're looking for guys just horseback but you know, you go out there and you hire on for the wagon, don't be expecting to make more than maybe two grand a month if you're lucky. Well, that's just it. And, and that's kind of why I say it the way I do is you might be able to go make a few dollars, but you're not going to make a living and you're sure not going to grow and build anything and you're not going to support a family. The majority yeah. of the outfits left that I know of that you can still make some money horseback on, that's exactly what it is. It's a wagon job. It starts the 10th of May and you're done the 10th of November. Yeah. And if you're not done before that or starting later than that, depending on how, where your elevation is, you know, yeah. if you really want to, if you really want to set in and make a career out of, out of ranching, you know, if you want to work for another outfit and get some experience and, and build your own herd of cows and then maybe buy your place and go out on your own, there's a lot more to that cup of tea than just a bag and some water that yeah. gets you to that point And, 
vast majority of people now, and I'm guilty of it too. I have a day job I make my living at, and then I I go play. Yeah. And that's how it's got to be because of how I the position I put myself in financially, you know. But to be able to go take a bridle horse out of the pasture, trim their feet, tie a saddle to them, hang a slicer bit in their face, put a put a mohair get down around their throat or a horsehair get down around their throat and step on and go go be involved. The vast majority of people that are playing that same game they don't have a clue what it is they're after once they get there. Yo, yeah, I got a I'll come help you. Well, what's help? Are you actually help or are you just another heartbeat with a horse? Yeah. And I'd love to be able to, to help help those people understand that there's more to this story. Oh well what's a what's a guy do? All right. Let's talk through it. Yeah. And that's that's again that's the conversation thing of drawing whatever it is you advertise it as if you advertise it as a you know basic ranch ranch roping skills okay what does that mean well these are the topics we're going to cover when somebody calls and says hey i want to come what it is what is it we're doing yeah we got these things we're going to talk through but the conversation that'll bloom off of that is the part of it fascinates me to figure out where people are at, what they're missing, what they're not understanding, what they're not seeing, and try to help them catch up a little bit. So the next time somebody calls, the next time, you know, a, a family branding comes around and they're expected to be there because, well, they're family, you can't not invite them. Yep. Make that more enjoyable. Be better help. Be a better horseman. Be a better stockman. Be a better hand. Understand and, the game a little bit before you just go diving into it. Mm-hmm. Going back to wagon and stuff like that, I'm not discouraging anybody from doing that. It's like you're you're just out of high school, you're single, you you got a couple horses or whatever. Hell yes, I would definitely go jump on a wagon and and make little to nothing. But what you're not making in money, you're making experience and you're making a hand out of yourself. Mm -hmm. Once you get you know, married or have a kid or whatever, the whole wagon train, it, it's pretty hard for a guy to to make it. I'm not saying you can't make it. There's people out there that have, but um, for the most part, being a handy guy, uh, it's going to take more than just being on a horse. And, and the guy that's handy on a horse and can weld and fix fence and do all that, he's going to get hired over you, I guess is what I'm trying to say. If you want a good job, you need to be well-rounded. Oh, I think, I think that's the heart of it. And again, I don't disagree with you. If that's, you know, once upon a time I had my sights set on Nevada and I was going to go and I had places that I could call and I had wagon crews that I could join and, I more or less chickened out if I'm being honest of it, but <laughs> the reality of it, the reality of it was, is, you know, I've always, there's always a part of me that's regretted not going and getting that experience. Oh yeah. Experience that I got in exchange for not doing that. You know, I went East and I graduated high school. I went East instead of going West and life went on, but the experience that I gained going that direction in a way, was every bit as valuable, more valuable, to what my life became following that. 
because especially out of this country, out of South Dakota, the Northern Plains, the Midwest, unless you're planning the land in that country or parts of Wyoming, parts of Michigan, going out to Nevada or Idaho or Oregon and working the big buckaroo, working the Oahu country or in the big buckaroo country of, you know, up in the Selway in Idaho, unless you're planning to stay there, basically once you cross the Rocky Mountains coming back east, most people don't have any idea. You know, you yeah. you show up with 26-inch eagle beak taps, no buck and rolls, a slick horn saddle, and a spade bit, they look at you like you've lost your mind. <laughs> and, you know, if, if all you've got is that Oahe mindset, or God help you, if you went to California and learned about the land of you come back to the Northern Plains where, no, we're going to move these cows, and then we're going to move a baler, and you're going to start cutting hay here, and this guy's going to start ricking bales, and then tonight we're going to start hauling bales, and we're going to do this. And by the way, you got to run fix this piece of fence and go check this fencer and go blah, 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 blah. Yep. That comes back to that well-rounded thing. If you think you've got all day to move this bunch of cows and you've got all day to mess with this colt and you're going to have all day tomorrow to do it again, you're not going to have a great deal of success coming. Yeah. And that, well, you know, that creates going, back to, going back to the well-rounded thing of, you know, like it's talking earlier, is like I'll, I'll tie off on, you know, different situations and I'll run slick corn and 60 foot and, and all that, but it, it, different situations require different gear and different country requires different gear. But mm-hmm. if you come back and, and, you know, especially you're out in that country and you go to Texas and you're going to run 60 foot slick corn and everybody down there is, is tied off on 20 foot. Well, you know, maybe I ought to try that because there's a reason everybody's doing that. It, don't get stuck in one way or the other. And that would be another thing that I'd, I'd kind of be hitting on with the the clinic too is, you know, I'll, I'll slick horn one, but I'd probably go ahead and tie off if somebody wants to. And I could do the same thing tied off. Um, it just takes a little bit different way of doing it. Oh, absolutely. I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. That's part of the clinic environment that intrigues me is – depending on what it is we're talking about, I might go step on one horse that's carrying a Santa Barbara cheek bridle with, with rawhide ramel reins and a slick horn and 75, 80 foot of five sixteenths rope. And I'll show you what I'm talking about there. But then I can go step off of that horse, step on another horse. It's got a Will James fork and a, a little bitty keech horn. And I've got a, 30 foot rope with a hon knot end of it. and I can show you there in the clinic environment you can make that demonstration you yeah. can show people you know you can grab a 30 foot rope with rubber on your horn and show people how to you know how to work with what they've got available for them. yeah what they're comfortable with you know and and show them other options okay yeah. you know you've got well like my wife she's got smaller hands she likes carrying a long rope but she's got smaller hands well, what's the middle ground? Most people don't have any idea that if a rope doesn't say classic or cactus on it, it exists. Yeah. Call yeah. King Saddlery and order the rope that works. She likes carrying 50 foot of rope. So she yeah. carries 50 foot of 3 8 scant nylon rope, and that's what she likes. It works. She can hold the reins. Yeah. 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 
They pack five sixteenths and between forty five to fifty foot. I'll start out with fifty, but you know, you cut off your Honda every once in a while and it just keeps getting shorter, but Right. Yeah, right. stuff like that. But hey, we're kind of getting wound down here. Um, just tell people a little bit about your credentials, what you did growing up. I know you pick up some too. You do some cowboy poetry. Uh, what else you got going on? A few, probably master of none. Uh, grew up here in western South Dakota. Day worked. My folks day worked, so I followed in their footsteps. We couldn't afford daycare, so. When I was about three and a half or four years old, they took an old retired saddle horse and grained him up hot enough to keep up. And, and we went to riding on yearlings and pears. And I, that, I just kind of followed that all the way up into high school and kind of stayed day working as best I could. Went out and got a real job. <laughs> I didn't grow up on a spread, so I knew I didn't have anything to inherit. So I went out and went to work. And nowadays, I drive truck over the road for a living. And every chance I get, I go catch my horses and saddle them up and step two and go, you know, go back and, and pretend I'm still young. <laughs> I'm still fairly young, but I go pretend I'm still a cowboy anyway. And yeah, I've, I've done some cowboy poetry. My folks were, were poets and musicians and traveled all over the country. I got to go to Elko and Amarillo and Prescott and Cimarron and Medora and uh, oh. places in between and, and meet people. I got into the cowboy poetry and music pretty naturally again through them. Um, I've picked up a few Bronx, but it'd be a it'd be a long stretch to say I'm a pickup man. <laughs> I'd like to be, but uh, yeah. you know, nowadays I, as far as my horses go, I kind of I kind of pride myself in taking horses that other people aren't necessarily getting along with, and I don't I don't operate in a world where I have to cram a whole bunch in their head in one time. So I just kind of see what we can do with them. Yeah. And, we raised a few. Uh, I had a I had a bottom brood mare back that we raised again this year, and we're starting. Wife and I are starting the process of wanting to raise our own saddle horses. And sure. you know, speaking of your wife, she's got uh, she's been building a lot of cinches. What's her? Uh, she got an Instagram handle or something like that. Oh yeah, she's on Facebook and Instagram. See uh, hanging three. Mohair, see hanging three cinches. If you search that, it'll come up. Um, here recently, she started her own accounting business, so she's kind of been focusing on that and, oh, and yeah. doing as much of the other stuff. Well, and then we had that wedding to plan. He just got married. Just got married here in June, so yeah, that took quite a bit of her time. But sure. No, that's kind of that's kind of us in a nutshell. We that's we've got cool. our jobs, but. We still crave the lifestyle. There isn't any other way we'd we'd want to live if we had the chance, and that's what we're working back to is trying to, you know, try to do all of these things we can to be involved with the, with the ranching lifestyle and and the horses and cattle and bucking horses. We, you know, futurity and bucking horse colts and whatever else we can do to to stay viable with it. But you know, like this clinic thing you and I started talking about earlier tonight, that's been, that's been on my radar for quite a while. Cause that's a way that I can take something I love so dearly and I'm so passionate about and share it with the world. And you know, if I happen to make a nickel while I'm doing it, wouldn't that be a shame? Right. Well, and you know, the thing with me too, I mean, I'm full-time in the saddle shop. I'm fifth generation rancher, but 
just staying connected to it is one thing, but I think part of the whole clinic thing is, is you could relate to people too. It's like, yeah, I, I drive truck or, you know, I was like, I'm a, I'm in saddle shop most of the time, but this is what I do on my off times. Like you can do it too. Like if I can do it, you can do it. You just got to get practice up to be able to do it. Well, absolutely. And like most things in life, you don't go to the NBA picking up a basketball when you're 25 years old, but that doesn't mean you can't learn to dribble and shoot. Yeah. And if there's something that you want to be, want to be a part of, you want to be interested in it. I feel like these clinics would give people an avenue to start getting their toes wet. And, you know, heck, a lot of people, for that matter, they might come and, and go, yeah, no, this this isn't a thing for me. I think I'll stick with trail riding. And if that's what you get from it, so be it. Right. But I, I would love the opportunity to expose some more well, of the behind the scenes. You're going to pick something off on horsemanship, too, though. You right. Know, just, you bring your trail riding horse and he's just being a dink. Well, I mean, we can get that straightened out, too. But oh. Absolutely. But hey, man, we're getting short on time here. I'm going to go try to sign off. But if anybody listening to this uh, is interested in doing a clinic, um, we're probably kind of shooting more towards the uh, practical ranch roping, uh, Brandon type thing with doing um, Brandon etiquette and tying your own cow down and, and how the sort went out of the herd to rope it in the pasture and, and just your general general stuff to be able to get things done by yourself and then go on from there with um, having another person and setting it up like that and then maybe uh, down the road doing some horsemanship stuff and, and whatever you guys are wanting to hear uh, we'd love to hear back from you um, Kyle Valley Saddle Shop on Instagram uh, uh, Colin do you got Instagram or Facebook or something yeah I'm on Facebook Colin Wood I'm on uh, Instagram woodrow.barcc okay. I think um but you can search my name and find me too. I believe I have it set up that way. And yeah, if, if anybody listening to this wants to reach out and has questions or thoughts or ideas, I'd, I'd be happy to hear them too. Yeah. Uh, so far we're planning on doing maybe one here in Broadus, Montana, you know, and I'm, I'm a, up to, if we could get enough people together, maybe doing one, you know, we'd travel a little bit too. I haven't talked to Colin about it much, but. Um, I'm not opposed to the idea. Okay. Well, it'd be. If you guys are interested in something like that, give us a call, comment, follow, whatever. Just let us know what you're thinking. If it's something that we can do, we'd love to be able to do it. Uh, we're probably not going to do it if we don't have any interest in it so <laughs> the more interest we have the more likely we're going to do it and keep on doing it so oh heck we might get bored and do it just so we can hang out drink a beer and talk about it anyway well i'm not there's only two people there that that leaves more cattle for us to rope i guess absolutely we just got to drag enough ground crew along so we don't have to get off our horse right ah we'll trip them <laughs> fair enough <laughs> you got anything to add buddy i'm pretty good shape thanks for bringing me along for the ride i enjoyed, I enjoyed it, it.
Heck yeah, hopefully we'll do some more of these. If I get ever more than maybe a couple followers, we'll do some more that actually does something. Well, we'll throw it up on Facebook. You'll see what we can stir up for you. All right, sounds good, buddy. We'll talk to you later. Have a good night. You too. Bye. Bye.